Welcome to this Monday's Local Matters. Judy Duke talking to you. And what a sweet, pretty young lady I have in this studio with Greg and I today. Lindsay Holloway. Lindsay, how are you, dear? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for coming on my show. Your name's going to be known around these parts before long because you're a, a mover and a shaker, I do believe. And uh, we're delighted to have you this afternoon with us on Local Matters. Interesting and fascinating people I talk to. And uh, you are certainly that. I know you were born here in Cookville. Yes, ma'am. And uh, ended up in the great town of Baxter, Tennessee, yes, correct? And yes. you still live there, right? Yes, ma'am. Me and my husband do. Okay. Do you have children? Um, I have a stepdaughter, Morgan. Okay. And she's in sixth grade. Okay. Now, um, we have a mutual friend, and, and Jenny Ray has been on this program with me before with, with her prison ministry over in White County that she does, mm-hmm. and there's uh, uh, some things going on, some, some really neat things uh, going on with that particular ministry and things that are going on uh, uh, in relation to that. Now, just to be perfectly frank, I'm going to ask you some tough questions. Okay. You're a recovering drug addict, is that correct? Well, I like to say delivered. Uh, okay, you are delivered, <laughs> recovering, delivered <laughs> drug addict, correct? Yes, ma'am. Okay, what? where's your drug of choice, dear? Uh, my drug of choice was methamphetamines Ooh. and opiates. Oh, my. When when did this start, Lindsay? When did your interest, or was it accidental, or, or explain that to my audience? Well, um, I grew up, like I said, in Cookville, Tennessee. I was active in youth group. I was uh, at church, mm-hmm. youth group at okay, at Living Hope Church, and okay. I was saved at twelve years old. My parents divorced um, shortly before that, and I started kind of rebelling and um, just hanging out. You know, some friends that I felt like I didn't have to perform in front of, you know, okay. to, to receive acceptance and. About 16, um, I really started rebelling and started hanging out with, with the group that used meth. And I tried it and wasn't really aware of how quickly addiction would take me. Did you like the way it made you feel? Yeah, it was like you were invincible. Uh, oh, like you can do anything? Yeah, wow. like Superman. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so by the time I was 18, I'd completely dropped all of my extracurricular activities. I dropped out of cheerleading and then eventually out of school. Oh, my. All because of, of your drug addiction. Mm-hmm. Two methamphetamines, or had you, yes, you broadened it by the time you were um, 18? That, well, yeah, it was methamphetamines. By that age, I was selling it. Um, I was in and out of jail, started making friends that taught me how to cook it. Um, eventually, I started selling it and cooking it. Um, and, and you're 18 here when mm-hmm. this started, this serious yes, problem ma'am. here? It was a way to pay for it. You were brought up in church, mm-hmm. and uh, things I think divorce can be very devastating on a family. I've had it happen in my family. Mm-hmm. Not to blame your parents, but do you think that that had anything to do with it? Your stress, seeking approval or something? Yeah, I think I was trying to be the, the golden child. Like, if I could be good enough, maybe they would get back together. Or, um, you know, as a child, you kind of blame yourself for, for divorce. Um, sure. And so and I, you And with the... Crystal meth, mm-hmm. you made yourself, you had this unrealistic picture of what you were capable of doing Yeah, under the influence of methamphetamine, right? Yeah, I thought it made me better, but 
as I realized, you know, now that I'm older and I look back, I slowly was dropping out of, you know, all of my activities and it got to be. about your physical health? You know, you see pictures. I've seen them on Facebook. I've seen them on the news. Someone who's as lovely as you are and they've been on this drug for how long and and they have these these open sores on their face. Did mm-hmm. you get that far into it? Um, Yeah, you would get little red bumps. All over you where the drug would be seeping out of your pores and um, it causes, yeah, a lot of acne and um, your eyes get sunken from your lack of sleep, big dark black circles. You don't sleep. You go around the clock, don't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Bless you. Yeah. It's very, very wearing. I got down to, I think, 98 pounds at one time. Well, I don't know what you weigh now, but you're not 98, but you're you're very tall and thin and elegant and talking this this afternoon with uh, Lindsay Holloway and uh, her her battle and her winning uh, the battle uh, over drug addiction. I'm so glad you're willing to come and talk about this. Absolutely. A lot of people would not want to air this, especially on public radio. Uh, but you have, and I know you've shared this with many other people, Um uh, what was the minute you realized you dropping out of extracurricular activities in school? Did you graduate? Um, I went to my mom put me in juvenile and told me my option was to graduate high school or stay in juvenile. And How long did it take your mom to figure out something was wrong here? Uh, when I stopped going to school and she found out. Oh, you just quit school altogether? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd moved out when I was um, 16. And Ooh. when she found out I'd stopped going to school, she put me in juvenile for runaway and my option was to go to a Christian homeschool, the Daniel One Academy, and graduate or stay in juvenile. So, so you did that? Yeah, I finished that. my senior year in three months and still graduated with a 3.4 GPA. And were you still taking the, the drugs then? I was clean about three months so that I could finish school. Okay, it lasted for three months, and then you went on and mm-hmm. continued it. Yes, ma'am. What was the breaking point, Lindsay? When, when did it happen that, okay, I can't? This is not going to work. At um, 22 years old, um, I had become an IV drug user. I was addicted to opiates and meth. And I was in the bathroom one day, and I was trying trying that, to... Sh- were you married? No. Okay. And I was trying to shoot up because I was really pill sick. And I looked you at... You were what? Sick? Pill sick. Pill sick. From withdrawals. Was that mean pill sick? Um, when you don't continue to use the opiates, your body goes into withdrawals. Um, okay. Vomiting, sweats. Um, I mean, it, it's horrible. It's worse than having the flu. Okay. Well, um, I've had the flu, and that I told God to take me. I felt so bad. Yeah. I was sick. Yeah, it was worse than that. Oh. And um, I was in the bathroom, and I stood up, and I made eye contact with myself, and I just saw, like, all of the joy was gone out of me. The life, the, there was no light in my eyes. They just looked dead. And I thought, well, Lord, I'd rather be with you <laughs> than down here suffering like this. And I can't continue to put my family through this. Um, my stepbrother at the time had gone, you know, to sell some of the stuff and come back. And that I, you had made? Um, no. At that time, um, I was driving him to break into houses. And he was still in... <laughs> Guns and jewelry and things like that. Okay. And he had left to trade them to bring back all of our drugs. And I thought, well, when he gets back, I'll just use all of them at so one time. you were going to kill yourself. Yeah, I planned to overdose. Okay. Um, and I prayed to the Lord after not talking to him for years and years and years. And he answered in the form of the federal agents surrounding my house. 
And I know at that time it was the Putnam County Police Force um, that they had gotten me for state charges, and they were holding me for federal charges for what, what kind of federal charges possessing and selling of stolen weapons. Whoa. Well, you're a miracle to be sitting here talking with me. Absolutely. To be alive, for it sounds like. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Okay, so you were praying. And, you know, there's some people out there who are listening to this may think, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're praying. Well, I've prayed and nothing has happened. What makes you different from them? I think that was just God was waiting on me to surrender. And when I did, he intervened. And when he did, it was normally I would have ran from the police. Mm-hmm. But I had this warm I still had a glimmer of faith left in me and I had this warm feeling in my heart that this was him answering and so I walked so out. he sent the Cookville police he mm-hmm. used the Cookville police to bring a child of his back to the fold so to speak yes, who I can preach on Judy mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, not meaning that but that is yeah. what it sounds like well just like drugs don't discriminate God doesn't either He'll he'll come after every one of us. He says he leaves the ninety nine sheep to go grab the one that left. Yeah, and, and he got you. Yeah, he did. Um, I was facing ten years in federal prison and a million dollars in fines. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> and um, I went to court for about a year and a half. The first prosecuting attorney that I had um, actually wanted to make an example out of me because the crime rate for women in Middle Tennessee had grown drastically. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to give me the maximum sentence. Um, I had a Christian lawyer who actually sent a woman to interview me who convinced the judge to release me to a transitional house. Um, I completed the next door program in Nashville after six months. Mm -hmm. And I began to pray for the prosecuting attorney because scripture says you're to pray for those that persecute you. Okay, now are you under some kind of training, uh, Christian training here? Um, The six-month program is a faith-based program, um, discipleship, work program. um, They teach you finances, everything that I didn't learn you know, once I became an adult. And um, so I completed the program, graduated. I started praying for this prosecutor. And the prosecutor eventually was promoted and moved off of my case, mm. and which was awesome because the new prosecutor that I got. So you think that's God's hand there? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Um, the judge that I had was actually the oldest judge in the entire United States, and he absolutely hated guns. So that was also another, you know, thing I had stacked right. against me. Um, but the new prosecutor came in. His name was Braden Busek, and Braden came in and shook Where my is hand. this being done? All of this is in Nashville, Nashville. at the federal um, uh, okay. facility. All right. And Braden came in and shook my hand, and he said, young lady, you keep doing what you're doing, and everything's going to be okay. Um, by the time uh-huh. I had met Braden, I had a completely different life. I was volunteering, you know, sharing my testimony at schools and churches, um, you know, treatment programs, anywhere I could tell somebody what God could do, you know, Mm -hmm. that he could Mm -hmm. deliver you from addiction. And um, I went to court and my lawyer had been telling me for a year and a half that I was going to go to prison for at least six years, that there was no, no even opportunity for probation with the kind you know, seriousness of my charge. Um, But when I went to court that day, he requested two years of probation and the prosecuting attorney agreed to it and the judge took their recommendation. Well, I'd certainly say that was a miracle. Well, if you're familiar with the federal system, they have a set guidelines for sentencing. Mm -hmm. The minimum for my sentence was six years in prison. So you didn't serve a day in in federal prison? I did about 20 days in federal holding. But that was during the getting the trial ready to go and all Mm -hmm. that, correct? Yes, ma'am. Wow. What a story. Yeah. 
I'm going to take a break here a minute. I don't even want to take a break, Greg. This is so interesting and just it makes me feel good uh, to look over here at your bright eyes and your precious smile. But anyway, we're going to take a break. And Megan will be with us when we come back. And you listen and support our sponsors. And we'll see you in a minute. Back this afternoon with Lindsay Holloway. And she has the uh, first part of the show here. She's been talking about how she was... Uh, addicted to drugs and was uh, with God's help and other folks that he used in his mighty way. Uh, she uh, overcame her addiction, got her life straight. What's what's Lindsay Holloway doing now? Um, well, I've been married two years in April 30th, and now my husband and I, we own our own house. We also own a carpentry business. Uh, my husband is being ordained by Life Church currently. Okay. And he's also on the worship team there. Um, I'm the women's leader for the Putnam County Jail Ministry at Life Church. And then my husband and I also disciple the men and women coming out of incarceration on Thursday nights at Life Church. Okay. All right. What's your hobby, Lindsay? What do you do now for fun and uh, for makes you feel good? Um, well, actually, I like restoring furniture and um, making I make jewelry holders out of old Antique picture frames and jewelry holders. Mm-hmm. No kidding. Yeah, I love it. You love doing that. Do yeah. you sell them or you just um, do it to give away to folks or what? It just depends. Sometimes people will call and request one and I'll make it for them. Okay, so that's your big hobby. Right now, yeah. Do you see uh, children in the future at all? Uh, we're hoping. We were thinking about three years into marriage we would start, but we're so busy with ministry right now. and You don't have time. Now, yeah. if if you uh, you said you went out to schools mm-hmm. uh, and talked to, to uh, how do, how does that come about? Um, usually just someone that hears my testimony. Okay, uh, they'll call you. All mm-hmm. right, what would your advice be? To someone who's smoking pot? To reach out to somebody that's been there, to find somebody within their congregation or their school, somebody that's overcome it, a trusted adult. that they. That's can. where a lot of, of people start, I think, especially young people, mm-hmm. with pot smoking. Mm-hmm. Uh, should it be legalized? Marijuana? Sh- Medically, I, I think that it would be okay, um, considering I have lots of friends with chronic pain that are addicted to pain pills because mm-hmm. that's all you know the that's only available to them yeah and then that increasingly their body becomes resistant to it and they have to increase their dosage increase their dosage and then eventually you know they go through the withdrawals and it's just the opiates are are an epidemic here right and it's because so you you would okay i yeah so I think if it's medically medically, needed. if if it's for medical purposes mm-hmm. like pain, and they have proven that it does help, mm-hmm. uh, marijuana does with pain. Um, you think, think that's okay? How in this world would you regulate that, though? Well, I think it's probably the same way they try to regulate the pain pills. Pain pills now. Yeah, I think it could be substituted for someone that you know refuses and i think the doctors need to be more educated on what signs to look for for addiction you know kind of mm-hmm. to to decide if that person you know would be a good candidate for it um because mm-hmm. the people that have high, you know a high risk of addiction definitely don't need to be prescribed a narcotic pain medicine right mm-hmm. so you you uh you're into this this ministry this mm-hmm. uh at the at the putnam county jail mm-hmm. 
um, would you say that a lot of the crime in young people or maybe in women especially is due to the majority of the women that are in there are in there from addiction and um, most will get you know probation and then their drug addiction is not it's not helped like they're not the recidivism is high the recidivism in Putnam County is 90 percent oh my word 90 percent and the majority are violations of probation due to drug tests not paying fines missing probation meetings a lot of them are violations what do you want to do with your life? You're still a young woman. I know you said that you and your husband had talked about maybe starting a family after mm-hmm. three years. But what? where do you see you in uh, in 10 years? What's, what's your future goal? Well, my husband and I um, and some ladies from the jail ministry and Miss Jenny that we just spoke about and about four women from Nashville have started This Is Living Ministries, which is going to be a reentry program that's going to take women directly out of incarceration. Um, we're going to do discipleship training as well as life skills, um, parenting classes, um, boundaries. We're going to teach them finances, budgeting, things to prepare them to reenter society and then become, you know, contributing member of society. Wow. Mm-hmm. Our main goal. And what's the difference between this and say a halfway house? This is living and a halfway house. Um, we we'll probably cover some of the same. Same. Is there a fee? Um, no, we're going to take the women in for free. Um, we're going to find lo- we'll We found some local churches that would like to sponsor women and pay monthly to cover their expenses. Um, we're modeling after the Men of Valor program in Nashville, Tennessee, that does reentry for men coming out of prison. Mm-hmm. Their recidivism late, uh, rate is less than, I think, 15%. And it's 90% here in Putnam County mm-hmm. Jail and women for women? Mm-hmm. Are there transition homes um, for women like? In Nashville? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we actually have one here, the next step, that's on Highway 70. It's ran by um, Nikki Payne. She's the house manager. It's a wonderful program for the women as well. And then also the Teen Challenge in Livingston. We often send women to both of those programs, too. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And, and Teen Challenge is not just for teens. No. Now I think they've changed the name to Teen and Adult Challenge. So okay. they, they take people of all ages. Okay, but now, so that's your, you and your husband are doing this together? Was your mm-hmm. husband, uh, uh, was well, he also? Uh, my husband user? was an addict for 13 years. Um, he'll now have 10 years clean in September. Okay. Well, you have quite a story, young lady, mm-hmm. to tell. And uh, in today's world, uh, you could probably really go places with this this is living mm-hmm. uh so your hopes are to have a, a residential uh we ho- home for them some uh, we for- hope to have a home for 40 women um where we can take women from all over middle tennessee and then my husband hopes to open a men's house once we get the women's house established um and i also do a lot of public speaking um advoc- well advocacy for criminal justice reform um because we need to fight to change the laws that are causing the recidivism the tough on Such crime. As, tell me, uh, tell me a law that's on the books now. Okay. Um, well, right now, if if you get out of prison and you don't pay your fines within a year, your license is taken. 
driver's license? Yes. And that doesn't make a whole lot of sense because if you don't have a driver's license to get to work, then you don't have the money to pay your fines. Um, So we want to remove that barrier because they need to have their license. And the majority... Are you working on this all by yourself? um, I actually work with the man that prosecuted me in federal court. His name is uh, Braden Busack, and he works for the Beacon Center of Tennessee, along with one of my board members, Hannah Cox, she works there as well. Um, so they take me to speak to the state representative, share my testimony, let them know, you know, these barriers are in the way from even when people want to have a different life, you know, they're violated on technicalities or, I mean, all the red tape they have to cut through. It seems like a catch-22 for yeah. a lot of them. Yeah, it's a revolving door. Yeah. Um, they, they actually just went to court and fought for, um, there was a lot of licensing you couldn't get for careers. Um, if you had a felony background, and they actually went and fought that and beat it. So now there's wow. a lot more jobs because used to, if you had a felony, you couldn't be a barber, which doesn't make a lot of sense when your felony has nothing to do with cutting hair. Um, <laughs> so, really? Yeah. So they fought and beat that now. And so that's opened up a lot more jobs um, because studies show that once released from incarceration, if you have a job that first year, that you are like two thirds less likely. To reoffend, mm-hmm. so the, it's it's difficult to for mm-hmm. felons, especially, mm-hmm. to find employment. Work. Yeah. So you you are now quite political. Yes. I never thought I would be in the political realm, but <laughs> wherever he wants to, God wants to send me. That's, but do you do you like being a polit- an advocate here and and being political? Yeah. Well, because I mean, if we want to make big changes. We have to remove those barriers to give these people that second chance. So even when they're trying hard, I mean, we work with people every day coming out of incarceration and they'll really be trying. But due to, you know, their probation, they have to miss work to go to a probation meeting. That that doesn't work well when you lose your job because you miss for a probation meeting. Like there's a lot of um, political moves we need to make in order to make them be successful. Talking today with. Lindsay Holloway, and she has quite a testimony, which you have already heard. But now we are gotten to the second half of the show. We're talking about political activism here mm-hmm. uh, and being an advocate. Uh, I believe you're on to something there, mm-hmm. uh, Lindsay. And, you know, going uh, to fight for these people who they want to change, but they, they can't because of all these this red tape, let's simplify it and mm-hmm. say red tape. And if you don't have a car, how can you go to work? And if you can't go to work, how are you going to pay your bills? Dotted. It's yeah. just one right after the other. Yeah. So uh, I think it's great that you're active, especially here in the Upper Cumberland, where it is a, a, an epidemic. Mm-hmm. Ten years from now, you're going to have a home uh, for men and for women who are transitioning back into society, What it Will it only be people who were addicted to drugs, or is this anybody? We're going to focus on reentry, so anybody coming out of incarceration. Um, because if if you're coming out of incarceration, there's a heart issue. You know, there's something that that some hurt or habit or hang up that needs to be healed, and we want to offer that to any of them. The root problem, yeah. Whatever was there to start with, mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, it's like I did motivational classes one time here in Cookville for for people who. Uh, were um, considered obese. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you find out that they're not gross people because they overeat. You know, they're usually, it's it's comfort mm-hmm. to them or whatever. You've got to get to the root of the problem. 
uh-huh. of the problem. And so that's what you're doing, Lindsay, you and your husband and other folks that you have mentioned here. I thank you so much for coming. Thank you for uh, having me. And if it's a repeat, I know you've said this and done this other places, but in my opinion, the more we can get people like you out there, the better off society is going to be, especially with the opioid crisis that we're going through in this county, this state, this country. So thank you again, Lindsay. Uh, uh, maybe we'll get your husband in here and hear his his side of the story. So appreciate it. More power to you, sister. Thank you. And God bless you. See you next week, folks. Have a great week. Bye-bye.